This episode brought to you by Team Stripes Academy. Learn from some of the top officials in the world. Start today at TeamStripesAcademy.com. You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast, the podcast for hockey referees. Each show, we discuss the world of officiating and find out that not everything is in black and white. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Team Stripes podcast. Nat and I took a few weeks off. Nat got to go on a little deployment. I've been busy at work. Yeah. I, deploying computers. Nice. <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of what we're all doing, right? Like <laughs> right. Robots, computers. It, it exactly. Works. So, yeah. yeah, so we took a few weeks off. It's August. Well, it's August 29th, the day we're recording this. Um, already. Already. Yeah. End of August. Um, yeah, dude, preseason, preseason tournaments pre-season are already starting. Tournaments man. we have here in Florida, we got our big youth tournament for Labor Day that starts on Friday, and then it's for me, it's going to be full send from Friday until April. Yeah, man, dude, I have been, it's been, I, I'm, I have had a whirlwind. I, you know, I went, I went and did some deploying fun, and then, uh, I'm still some not. Se- I'm st- some super secret military. No, super secret squirrel military. Secret squirrels, so, right? We say yeah. things like John has a long mustache. I say again, John has a long mustache. But uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so I haven't been able to finish registration. Trying to work on it. Got. I'm doing a level four online. Actually, with you guys down in Florida. Okay. Uh, in the middle of October, which will be fun. Kelly uh, Kelly Rolstead and I are gonna come up with some some uh, awesome questions for the staff. <laughs> Are you guys on the back end kind of Yeah, dude, that? we're totally we are totally going to uh like we're totally gonna have hopefully they're not listening. If they're listening, yeah. then they're gonna like, you know, they better be ready. Uh, uh, I, I will I will make sure to tell Carney not to listen to this episode. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, dude, yeah, Carney Dewey and um probably Jack. Jack. Yep. Yeah. So um but yeah, preseason started here this last weekend. I was not able to work anything, but they had a giant tournament in Grand Rapids, something like three hundred games. Oh my god! Cost like six, dude. It, I don't know. They were game. They were they oh. were starting to throw money. Side note for yeah. all of our listeners: if your local area has a tournament that you need help staffing, let us know. Oh yeah, because we can put the word out. We can use the Facebook group. We can mention it on the podcast. If there's any way that you need staffing help, and we can help you guys get it staffed, let us. No, absolutely. absolutely. Because especially on the USA hockey side, because right, you have a USA hockey crest, you can work Maine to Key West, New York City to LA. Right. And, yeah, and Alaska no. and Alaska and Hawaii too. Right. And man, <laughs> this, this place is so, you know, I'm sure there's places we can either, you know, tournaments will have hotel rooms or everyone knows somebody. Exactly. Right? And everyone's got a guest room. So so back to the, that tournament, you're saying they're just yeah. throwing money because yeah, they didn't was, get bodies. Yeah, it was, some, it was huge. It's this last weekend, and man, I couldn't work because I, I couldn't work it because I was working. They needed bodies. They were I was working, um, you know, uh, for my regular job, and they needed bodies. They were throwing money. They were throwing money out. I think, uh, you know, a couple of times, you know, more than a hundred dollars a game was was thrown out there as they were trying to get guys to work. So. Uh, and then there's there's going to be another one here in Kalamazoo, September 9th, 10th, and 11th. I know that. So, 
Okay. Yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah. We have like we have Labor Day, and then the following Friday, September 9th, our club, our college club season starts. Oh wow! Which I just took on a new role. I am the RIC now for Florida for that. Um, and trying to get the schedules from all the teams is like hurting cats. Yeah. I- Man. So they joined, they all joined a new league, um, the SECHC, so the SEC, the college yep. conference. They had a club conference, the SECHC. Last year, they brought in a couple of new teams. So they changed the name from the SECHC to College Hockey South. So then they basically brought in every team uh, in Tennessee, Alabama, um, Georgia, South Carolina, Florida. So basically the entire Southeastern footprint. Mm-hmm. Um, the mm-hmm. only team that's not playing with them is FGCU because they stayed D2 ACHA, which makes sense. They're a perennial national championship contender. They've won a few in a row and their program is, is doing quite well down there. Right. Okay. Um, makes sense but everyone else plays in the college hockey federation. So we get going September 9th. Okay. Um, and then the following week, USPHL junior gets started. So like it is, it is, like I said, full send. Yeah. And we have, uh, a, we have a new USPHL team in battle Creek. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I should actually hit up Gino. Yeah. Tell um, Gino, like I can ref every game. <laughs> yeah. I could, Cause I will probably be at work. And if they start at seven o'clock, I work until, Right. Unless I go to, you know, (laughs) overnight shift, but yeah, Yeah. man, that'd be hilarious. Like, yeah, I could be there. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Especially now that I've got an ASO membership. Absolutely. I actually have to renew mine. I get, when I get paid this week, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Like I said, I I get mine free through uh, the Michigan high school athletic association. That's so cool. So dude, it's, it's awesome. And then we just wrapped up the world junior championship the weirdest world juniors ever because it was in August and they're getting ready to do it again in December. Yeah. So that's pretty wild. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, right. Everybody went back in December. Everyone gets there. They played a few games and Oh, Hey, sorry guys. We got to send you home tournaments over. And, uh, so then everybody obviously went back and just played it. And the main reason I bring up the World Junior Championships is because our guest this week uh, is Sean Fernandez, a guy that I worked with in uh, junior hockey and the Southern Pro League and a couple ECHL games. Uh, he refereed the gold medal game. Yeah. So Dude. we uh, we actually just got done recording with him. Uh, we talked at least an hour. Yeah. Uh, about you know, his career. And then we wrapped it up with a, with a nice bow and talked about that gold medal game. And obviously I think everyone's seen the highlight of the puck that did not cross the goal line in overtime (laughs) and Sean and Sean was the one on the goal line, just waving it off. Right. Like, no, it didn't go in. And then obviously Canada goes down and scores. Yep. And uh, he tells us about the whole experience from, uh, obviously starting out, you know, as an official, but with the world juniors, like going in December, having to go again in August and all that. So we'll yeah. go ahead and, uh, send it over to the interview and we'll catch you guys on the backside. Yeah. Enjoy. So we have a special guest with us today. 
guy that I worked with uh, on and off throughout a couple of years in the program, worked some pro hockey together, good friend of mine, all around great guy. And uh, I don't know if any of you guys watched the gold medal game of the world juniors. Uh, what was it last week, week and a half ago? Well, he was on the ice for it. So please welcome to the podcast today's guest, Sean Fernandez. Sean, welcome. Hey, thanks. Uh, thanks very much for that uh, nice intro there, Ross. And I'm looking forward to it. Nat, it's a pleasure meeting you. And uh, Absolutely, to you share. too. Yeah, happy to share my experience here and uh, looking forward to it. Definitely, definitely happy to have you on. So uh, I guess we'll kind of just start the interview where we where we start with most on, on the podcast. And why just start reffing? How'd you get into it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm probably going to be similar to a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, people who've already uh, sat in my seat, uh, Sharon here, uh, you know, started off as a, as a youngster. I was uh, 12 years old and um, was looking for a way to make a, make an extra buck while participating in the game that I love. Right. So um, was playing all, all throughout uh, youth hockey in Traverse city, Michigan, uh, my hometown. Um after that, just kind of enjoyed being on the ice. We had a we had a real strong support system um, as far as mentors and uh, officials in Traverse City. So it was it was pretty advantageous to follow a, a few people that really kind of grabbed uh, grabbed a hold of me and kind of took me under their wing, if you will, and and to learn from them right from even the grassroots level. Um, from there, I just, I, I kind of fell in love with it and um, to be on the ice, to continue to hone in the officiating craft while still playing, I thought was really sweet. Not to mention, you know, making your own uh, money at age 12. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So uh, from there, like it just kind of, um, you know, career path wise, continued on and I wanted to eventually see what was out there in officiating. Yeah. Nice, man. Dude, what was your, do you remember your first game at all? Like, you know, I remember being that 12 year old kid. I mean, I, I remember mine, you know, being a 12 year old kid. I, I think I called an offsides on like the wrong team. Like, the, you know, it's like, you know, that your head swimming. I always think that like, that's something. Do you, do you remember that game at all? Remember who you worked with? Oh, you know, that'd be, that'd be tough to pinpoint it to like one of those games. However, like, as you brought that up, what was, what was coming to mind right away was I remember being in like seventh or eighth grade class, like towards the end of the day being like, holy smokes, I got two peewee games I'm doing tonight. Right. Like, yeah. like I've only been doing squirts, like this is a big step. So yeah. then I remember specifically just drawing out like, okay, if this guy goes here, you know, you know what offsides is you're playing hockey, you know, yeah. but you're now officiating. So you're totally thinking different about him, yeah. or trying to at least. And I remember drawing like on a piece of notebook paper, like, okay, this is what offsides is. This is delayed offsides, <laughs> like visualizing in seventh and eighth grade. And then yep. uh, couldn't tell you if I went out there and even did it correctly, but here we are. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh. You're hoping the teacher doesn't give you too much homework because you're like, oh man, I'm never getting to sleep tonight. Yeah. I'm already under pressure for my 7 and 8 p.m. Uh, slot. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Amazing. I love it. Dude, that's awesome. So, uh, so when did you start getting into kind of the program stuff? When did you start deciding, like, hey, you know, it goes from just kind of like the, the 
you know, middle school, high school job where you're making 10, 15, 20 bucks a game to like, hey, you know, because you were playing at the time, right? So when did you kind of make that, you know, when did you make that switch? Yeah, um, great question. I would say for me, like um, after I after I graduated high school, I, I stuck around at Traverse City for um, two years at uh, community college. Okay. Um, and then from there, like I started working uh, high school games. So okay. then I started traveling a little bit more, like doing high school games in the Upper Peninsula and Northern Michigan area. So now like that was my first kind of taste of, oh, you need to drive to a game in order to, to uh, referee. And, um, and that's funny that I say that here now, 45 minutes of an hour, an hour yeah. thinking, and this is what I got to do to, to officiate a game. Yeah. Um, but for me doing that, I didn't, and I had no idea what, uh, the ODP was or what advancements, um, there were as far as possibilities in officiating until I went to my first, um, camp. And okay. it would be in Farmington Hills, Michigan at the Sheraton down here. And, um, you know, You're like, yeah, we're having a camp down at the Sheraton. You know? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. how I did what I walked into. I was a 17, 18 year old kid. And the guy checking me in at the, uh, the counter there was Timmy Mayer. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, I went to national camp with Timmy Mayer. Yeah, he's all over yeah. the place. Yeah. Which is funny that like. All of a sudden, now everything kind of comes full circle, and I was able yeah. to catch his last American League game just a few short months ago in Grand yeah. Rapids, and and how uh, you know it, imperative he was in a lot of my success. And to think of that when you're 17, 18, checking in at okay, I don't know what junior hockey is or what I'm getting into, but <laughs> yeah. here I am. It was a pretty sweet experience. So I guess to to answer your question, I mean, once I was invited to that camp from um, and in fact, when back up, I was invited to that camp because uh, the head of USA Hockey and and uh, Dan Monticelli was actually oh, officiating no. a Traverse City North Stars uh, junior game. No way. Was on the other side, working like a Bantam game, right? Wow. So, and again, I had no idea. I see this guy and that we're dressing in the same locker room because Traverse City, it's a shared kind of ref room to yeah. rinks. And, and I'm like, ah, oh, that'd be feel like that'd be pretty cool like hey if he can do it i can do it yeah, <laughs> yeah. we'll never yeah. say that uh i said that to him though yeah <laughs> <laughs> <On> record, <laughs> aren't we? Dude, that's that's crazy though because that's like that's the uh that's like the you know we talk about how like you always have to like always never mail a game in because you never know who you're going to meet in the locker room you never know who's going to just going to be watching over your shoulder uh yep. and what door may open up for you just because you know you were working hard and that and that couldn't be more true and something that i learned on early in my career and it's always been in the back of my head because now especially with advancement in technology and able to tune into a game from overseas from your computer now like you know you never know who's watching you always want to have your best game um so that was that was a pretty cool lesson to learn right off the bat yeah, it's, imagine, does that, does that, you know, imagine what that kid, does that kid, you know, think that, hey, uh, this could be me in 10 years, you know? Uh, yep. Precisely. Right? Yeah. You'd probably be like, dude, you're crazy. There's no way I could do, you know, but that's yeah. awesome, man. You that's had no idea. And then from there, I got that, uh, received that invite to come to, hey, check out what uh, 
USA Hockey ODP camp is about and what okay. we do as uh, as officials. And I sat through a weekend there and then um, tornado happening outside, I think, here in South yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just had it move through here like like 45 minutes ago. We were, I was literally telling Ross before we started, and I was like, Dude, I think my neighbor's trampoline just went through my backyard. Like, <laughs> Holy smokes. Yeah. So if I lose you, I'll be coming right back, but it doesn't yeah. look good out. Damn. All good. You start yeah. hearing the sirens and all. Like, yeah. <laughs> Dude. Oh, Michigan. So you went, so, but you went to the ODP. So, like, you know, whereas a lot of other guys go to, like, hey, they're, they're introduced to the ODP through like regional camp or what's now called, what is it, Futures Camp Futures, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, like you, you were introduced to it before that, right? Just kind of like, hey, correct. That's cool. Yeah, okay. yeah. And then that's where I learned about what regional camp is and what okay. what these different um, you know opportunities and avenues that you could possibly take right from that camp. Okay. Um, so from that camp, like I was then like hired in, and not necessarily to a full time position of hey, you're going to be working in this league. Yeah, junior hockey in general, because from there I was moving down to uh, to Kalamazoo to go to school. I went to Western Michigan. Western, nice. And I was going to be a great town. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I was back just a couple of years ago, and to to see how much it's changed and grown, like was yeah, pretty crazy. But yeah, um, yeah, the fact that I was going to be in a hotbed for junior hockey in Michigan. I mean, at that time we had a lot of development leagues uh available to us to be able to skate and you know from there i was able to attend a regional camp i think i went the following summer so what uh, year was that so that was so i would say um i did regional camp as an 18 year old so i, I would wow. have been um let's see here. or i did regional camp as an 18 year old and i think i checked into that camp uh in farmington as an 18 year old so maybe it wasn't a year later um i would say that was oh or oh eight oh nine okay wow so and then you went young man so you were you were one of the young guys you were like i did wow. yes <laughs> i before i moved into apartment obviously i was like so some guys that you know they can move into an apartment and finish high school somewhere else and i was like oh, <laughs> yeah. i can't do that yeah <laughs> yeah no <laughs> wow nope. that's uh <laughs> That's cool, man. Dude, there's not a whole lot of guys who, who, I mean, I can think of, I think Mike Elder was a young guy uh, in the program then, but most everybody else was 22, 23, 24 years old. There's yeah. not a whole lot of young guys. That's cool. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I was pretty, uh, pretty fortunate to hop in there and then, you know, to be able to, um, you know, learn from, from the guys that were ahead of me. And you knew that class who yeah. was well-established, who may have mm -hmm. been working their full-time USHL role or full-time North American league. And, yeah. and kind of in, in those times it was, you would specifically stick to that league majority of the year. Right. You know, yeah. You see much yeah. Uh, up and down and you kind of, you kind of, learn from those guys you wanted to you wanted to be in their shoes you wanted to get your first crack at maybe the next level but um it was certainly a ladder process there mm -hmm. and um yeah for me like with re going to regional camp that definitely helped uh my career too as far as from there being hired full-time then into like yeah. the north american hockey league yeah. okay and then 
once you got there, like what was your, cause I know, didn't you finish school first and then you went to an apartment? Yes, correct. Yeah. Smart then, move. Yeah. yeah. Which is a smart move for smart all those move, listening. Man. Finish school first. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I felt like, you know, to take it on the road or, or do online schooling or to, if I was to come back and finish my degree, like for me, that wasn't a route that I was um, interested in taking. And, and I already had so much hockey around me in Kalamazoo. So yeah. albeit missing out on a few colleges, ex college experiences, um, yeah. and having to be on the road, uh, you know, that, that is definitely some, uh, give and take with, with that route that I took, but, you know, looking back at it, you don't, uh, you don't become presented with the opportunities that you have now without potentially going through, um, exactly. you know, that, and I'm a firm believer in that system. Yeah. And we talked so, about, I was talking about, it's making your own luck, right? Like everyone's like, Oh man, you got lucky. Well, you know, but you make your own luck, right? You work hard and you apply yourself where you want to. He said, so, cause a lot of people here are like, Oh, he was lucky cause he lived in Michigan. Oh, he's lucky here. Like, yeah, but if you didn't work hard, right? Like it's an old butchy thing, hard work beats talent and talent doesn't work hard. You know, oh, like, amen. You, know, you know, you're, uh, mm -hmm. you know, just because you come from, you know, you came from Traverse city and yeah, some guy saw you at the right time. That doesn't mean that, that that wasn't luck, right? That was just working hard when, when the opportunity presented itself. Oh, no doubt about that. All right. So with uh, with your time in the program and your progression, because um, at that time, obviously, we had the NA, the USHL, and then the Southern Pro League was part of uh, was part of the program at that point. Uh, how long was your progression and like your steps at each level? Uh, uh oh, uh, uh oh, <laughs> Sean, you there? <laughs> oh, he's there. Yeah. Gotcha. Yes, I heard about the first 10 seconds of it and then it cut off. But I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, okay. you're, you're asking on the uh, what maybe my progression steps look like in junior hockey. And yeah. Yeah. yeah and timeline wise. Yeah. So the progression between, you know, junior hockey and then slowly getting into pro hockey. Yeah, of course. Um, so back with that, uh, that regional camp and then from there kind of being hired into um, the North American League, um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say that that was full time at that point um, because I was still going to school and working a little bit of everything. Like we have the, oh, what Central States Hockey League, the yeah. Great Lakes Junior Hockey League, uh, and switched to like the Minnesota Junior mm -hmm. Hockey. So a bunch of like uh, Tier Three. Um, junior Three. programs, yeah, yeah. and I'm sure down. a little bit of Acha stuff too, right? It's oh, yeah, so of course, <laughs> yeah, hit all the hotbeds there as well for my <laughs> taste of college hockey. Um, so from there, uh, you know, it was important to, to finish school, and then after that, I knew that uh, this was a, a path that I wanted to pursue full time, um, and then through the connections that were established from previous camps, from um, the ODP and opportunities to live in a, in a league apartment and technically be then a full-time guy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was dedicated to that and, and wanted to, to go that route. And the first ever apartment that I lived in, um, the, the boss at that time wanted uh, said it was gonna be in Chicago uh, I think he said he was looking on the, 
south side area of Chicago <laughs> because of just price points. I'm like, what yep. am I getting myself into? <laughs> yeah. Because yep. it used to be in Hoffman Estates, and that's like a pretty swanky place, yeah, but there's no way they could keep affording that apartment like that. And now it's in Berwyn. Right, yeah. right. And even the Hoffman Estates, that was the USHL guy. So I, like okay, that was all yeah. built. So then I'm looking, you know, I'm not even looking at moving there. But <laughs> the idea was for them to keep it somewhere around that area. Yeah. But long story short, it ended up being Michigan City, Indiana. So uh <laughs> Okay. You know, nice. <laughs> they were like, Oh, well, it's not quite Chicago, but uh that apartment lasted one year, but you want to know what it was a great time. We had a a really nice spot and it was just a you know a transit location there between i-80 and, and driving that puppy non-stop um so that was my first year of getting a, a taste of what apartment life kind of is and then that same year i started working um you know primarily ushl games anyhow nice. throughout the year so okay um, and then i from there i i moved to uh i lived in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, and then I did do a year in Chicago at the, the Berwyn USHL house. Yep, the Berwyn house. So I did where, I, where, where I got to spend some time with you guys, which was a blast. Oh yeah. Ross when, made uh, up north trips. When, uh, when I was living out of my suitcase waiting for the SP season to start. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I, uh, I bounced around between you guys there. I went to Toledo. I was over in Detroit with uh, Jonathan Paradise, and then back with you guys. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remember the game. It was me, you. Oh fuck, who was our the other linesman? We drove over to Ann Arbor and did the NTDP team with uh, Brady Kachuk was still on the team, or one of the Kachuks, maybe Matt. Oh yeah, I mean that year was one. Of, it was some of the best hockey even to this yeah. day. That class, uh, because that was the year that my, I did the Five Nations tournament too. Yeah. Yep. Ooh. And that, I mean, the, the, the guys in the first round picks there, I mean, they're all superstars yeah. now in the NHL. I, yeah. yeah. I just remember doing a face off. They were playing the Michigan warriors in the NA team yeah. and uh, Kachuk comes over to me and is like, Hey, do you mind if I cheat on this face off or trying to do a set play? I'm like, it's preseason. Do what you want. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the setter for the warriors looks at me like, are you, are you fucking serious right now? What about I was me? Like, yeah, pretty much. I go, well, you see those guys in the stands? Goes, yeah. I go, they're not here for us. <laughs> so I so I let him cheat on the face off. I drop the puck. Boom, boom, back to the net. <laughs> ah, so he did the net then. Nice. <laughs> so what was your first pro game? Um, yeah. So so for me, um, when I when I lived in um, Chicago. So that my Chicago year, that was when I, I first, uh, ended up getting the crest in the mail too, to work the central league, uh, didn't end up happening that year. Um, and then I went down, um, so my first pro game was, um, was down in Mississippi for the, Dude, the river, the Kings. Mississippi river Kings. Yeah. No, the oh, river, man. river Kings, yeah. the river Kings. Oh, they were the river Kings in Memphis, the surger in Biloxi. Oh yeah, yeah, the surgery in Biloxi, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, with the casino there uh, where you always stop. Oh, the Bon Rivage. Yep. <laughs> I would stop there at that uh, spot from my drive to, uh, I mean, you name it. When I, I yeah. and 
then lived down and did a full year um, in an SP apartment in Columbus, Georgia, yep. which, which was some of the most fun in hockey that I've had to this day too, just because Absolutely. Um, the people that you get to meet, like the hockey's always entertaining. You never knew what you were going to get. And that's mm-hmm. not even talking about I, the play. Well, I tell people all the time, man, like I learned a lot about leadership in the Southern pro league, like even yeah. carrying that over to the military because like, Everyone was there. It, it, you know, it was a, it's not, it wasn't always good hockey, but it was always like purposeful hockey, right? They're selling seats and, and you didn't quite know what was going to happen next, but those guys would be all over you and eat you alive. If they smelled like one, like one, like little scent, they're like sharks with blood. What a perfect way to put it. And that, that for me, I mean, is just invaluable to my, experience because you really kind of come into your own on how to referee and what type of personality like um Mm -hmm. you know not what type of personality you do want to select today but you know really finding that niche of hey how are you going to connect with the players how are you going to connect with the coaches all while of course they're there to sell seats yeah some some days like you'd have games that would go up and down and be a hell of a hockey game and then yeah. other games of course are three and a half hours long yeah yeah so, you're, like, well, you're literally fun- like hold on to your lids boys because we're not getting out of here till like no <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and a, well, a quick example on that would have been military or would have been first responder night in macon georgia at that oh, oh my god yes i, I, I remember they brought every uh, first responder vehicle out on the ice and then melted the ice under and them the ice and, left <laughs> and i remember standing there me. with you like what is going on like, <laughs> no why didn't you shut it off oh no <laughs> the game day announcer he couldn't have been on the ice he had to give it away 20 free uh subway footlong coupons because <laughs> he was just trying to stall for time as they're figuring out how to fix this ice and we're just looking around like, there's no way we can play a hockey game here. I think we did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, like, you, yeah. Cause they look at you and go, dude, you represent the league here, but we can't afford to like refund tickets. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. No, that would, uh, you, you know, know the team would call my pay grade to come and tell them, Hey, yep. this is dangerous. Well, <laughs> yeah, they're like, I don't care if it's dangerous. Right. Like, you know, like, sell We're, the tickets. Was it me and you on the preseason game when Kerr jumped on the ice when we had that match penalty check from behind? I can't oh, remember. Smokes, that sounds real familiar too. He just ran okay, yeah. on the ice, didn't he? Yeah, he just jumped out on the ice on us in the preseason game. Yeah, 100%. I remember <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> and, and then I kicked him out. We told him to go back to the bench. <laughs> well, because well, we could, we, we stopped the period and we went into the room and Leaky came down and we were like, what do we do? <laughs> yeah, I think he was upset that we didn't boot him there. And uh, we're like, yeah, we told him to get back on the bench. Like, what are you doing even out here on the ice? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it, it wasn't like out of frustration with. No, I, he was just try- he was trying to get the stoppage because the guy was legit hurt. So he ran to his player. They didn't have a trainer or anything, and he was the one tending to him. Or, and then wow. that, that was with that rule of uh, if a trainer comes out on the ice, that player does. Uh, yeah, he's finish the period. Yep, done for the period. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh man, so many good. Like that league was just so fun. Like all the things. Like 
I mean, you remember yeah. like dealing with uh, Rod Aldoff and Pensacola, or obviously Kerr and uh, and Macon or Jeff Bess. Um, I don't yeah. know if you were around when Kill, uh, Killer was the coach. Oh, yeah, he was the coach of the Ice Skaters. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then Drew Omicelli as well, dealing with him. Ugh. It, you what? never knew what you were going to get in, in any given night. And back to what you were saying, that like it's it's something where, hey, it kept you on your toes and it made you a better official as a result because how yeah. often are you going to see a, a – <laughs> four match penalties on a stoppage play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's a place that I ever want to go back. Like you want to go back to, right. You're like, that's a great place to be. You know, there's always, always the, there's the leagues that everyone always used to say, like, this is going to be a great place for you to be yeah. from. Yeah. Know? Yeah. You know, that, well, was, that was the definition. That league is the definition of a great place to and, be from, you know, and that's a perfect transition to the next thing. Right. So after yeah. the SP, you get the call to the, to the coast and you go there full time. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, same thing. That's, that was also to, I skated uh, for the ECHL. Um, it ended up being five, five years full time. Mm-hmm. Um, Very cool. And I moved back to Michigan. Uh, so I never lived in Traverse or I didn't move back to Traverse city. That's where um, I was looking at places kind of Metro Detroit area to travel in and out of the, the airport. But I got a place, um, you know, that I worked out of, uh, my now brother-in-law, actually, it was his place. He was playing for the Canadians at the time. And he's like, Hey, why don't you just rent my place? Like you're, you're never really home. Like it's 35 minutes from the airport. And I'm like, that's not a bad idea. I didn't even think of that. And then uh, it was perfect. It was a great setup. Um, I lived there, uh, slanged out of, uh, West Bloomfield, Michigan, and and was in and out of Metro Detroit Airport nonstop for the for the ECHL, and um, ended up working a, a couple Kelly Cups from it, and uh, the the travels there and the people that I met was just such a cool experience every year, really, and oh, and sure. work three men in that, that league, and then the the caliber of plays obviously picked up, and and you know doing six games and eight nine nights at a time like as a free man it was you look back at it now like I'm like wow that's pretty wild stuff yeah <laughs> and, and now you got the luxury of only working four yeah right yeah. <laughs> now, now i look back at back at it all the time i caught a uh went down and we saw a buddy who's playing on toledo right now and we we caught their playoff game and you're looking around you're like there's 9,500 people here tonight on a saturday for their like conference final game Mm-hmm. And granted those were four men in the playoffs but you're you're just like what a sweet building and just the energy in that place yeah. always a, an exciting place to work and such a an awesome league really that's yep. that's cool and then Dude, now so you're how did the transition for- to the IIHF happen right so so how does it so how does that selection process happen and how do you how did you throw your hat in the ring or, or did someone just come and ask you like what is that how does that happen yeah no great question um so that would have been from that five nations tournament that uh, Ross and I were chatting on. Um, it's an opportunity for you to go see international play. Okay. Um, and then from there, that same summer, um, I went to elite experience camp in Lake okay. Placid. So that was through USA hockey. And I think 
you know, how you get involved in it, or I expressed my interest. Again, I didn't really know what the double IHF route is besides of, of speaking to the, those who are ahead of you or mentors and, and yeah. seeing what type of paths are out there for that. And, um, such an eye-opening experience and, and something that, you know, I am very thankful for this day that I even explored because, you know, some people may not even have interest in international hockey or not a route that they want to go or, um, and that's totally fine too. But, uh, you know, the places that that's already taken me in the games and the people that I've worked with and met along the way is, is pretty special to, uh, to hold on to. Um, nice. so yeah, it would have been from, from that year of, of doing that elite camp out in Lake Placid. And then, uh, um, from there, I ended up working my very first tournament. Um, I think it was probably two years later, cause I've been with the double IHF now for seven years and I didn't get my okay. first tournament until, uh, two, three years into it. So I would mm -hmm. receive, receive my license and stuff, but never got a tournament. And so what, so what goes with that? Like, is a, what is a regular season, right? So, you know, I, I think a lot of people are kind of familiar with the world junior tournaments and, and, you know, Sure. And IHF is, is Olympic as well, right? When the NHL, especially when the NHL is not involved. Um, so like what what's the what's the regular season IIHF like, right? What's what is a game in November like for the IIHF, you know? Or is there a game in November for the I you know, that kind of stuff? What yeah. what do you do outside of the big tournaments? Yeah, and that's why it's kinda it's kinda different for um, I believe like Americans and Canadians as far as tournaments that they may be assigned as officials yeah. um, because they might work one tournament if that throughout the year okay whereas europeans like uh some of these guys they might work multiple tournaments they might work a division 2a uh one month mm -hmm. and then a couple months later they're working uh the next step uh division 1a you know okay um but with a, a season in the double IHF, as far as teams and, and they all play it in their respective leagues back home. So it's, I couldn't speak too much on what a season looks like there, but for uh, officials, you know, my first assignment was Mexico city, um, uh, working uh, division three B U 18s. So there was, okay. three, there was three teams there. I mean, oh. as far as double IHF ranking, you can't go any lower. So, <laughs> but you're in Mexico City, so it's not so bad, right? You like, right. You wanted. I'm like, hey, of course you're gonna okay. so, to get the experience. And did did 12 year old Sean ever think that he'd be refing a hockey game in uh, Mexico City? <laughs> no, certainly he did not. <laughs> and another one of those of looking around, be like, wow, I'm here right now. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, and, and that's one where, Hey, you just hope that you have an arrow up on your uh, final eval because you can't uh, get relegated to any tournaments from there. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so then, you know, from, from that kind of progression, um, you know, there was three teams, there was Hong Kong, South Africa, and Mexico city playing like a, a little round Robin kind of tournament and oh, wow. uh, all playing each other. Right. So from there, it was just kind of seeing different paths uh, that could open up because, of course, your, your your goal is to work. Hey, your goal then uh, you're working Division Three in the 18s. Well, you want to work Division One, A, right, or the top tournament, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. you want to work the top 18s, and then you want to work U20s, the, the World Juniors, and then yeah, you know, progression from there. 
Um, but there are so many stops along that way that you could just, uh, you could be placed if you're fortunate enough to get a tournament. And, and for me, you know, that brought me to, um, Lithuania. I did a tournament. That's very cool. Um, I did the U 18s. It was originally going to be in Michigan, but COVID switched that around and we ended up, uh, taking off in Dallas with, with, uh, mm-hmm. the U18s. um, and then Edmonton. Nice. Well, since uh, we're gonna, since you bring up Edmonton now, we're gonna get into it. So you got to go twice, <laughs> the most interesting World Junior Championships of all time, um, where you have the bubble, they get going, a couple guys get COVID, then they shut it down, and then you got to work the craziest game of that first tournament with the, a, a kid named Connor Bedard that mm-hmm. might go first overall. How good is that kid? I remember texting you after that game. He scored what four that night? Yeah, that was four. Yeah. 16 I mean, years old. <laughs> I think mean, just 16, like to break the record there. Um, you know, pretty wild to even be a part of that and see it on the ice. But this this kid is something special for sure. Just the uh the way that he can shoot the puck and hockey iq at age 16 i mean blows my mind like that's, that's, that's so the crazy game, right like yeah kids uh, they just get faster and stronger and more creative at a, yep. a younger and younger age it's it's and, and that's all of hockey in general too like obviously pointing him out because you got to be on the but like just in general so yeah. what was that like being there getting into it and then uh, hey, sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was tough, right? There's so many ups and downs, like uh, mentally, physically, everything involved in that. And, you know, it's a it's a special tournament uh, just because over Christmas time and, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're even more of an ass to, to leave your family for a couple weeks. And then, you know, us having to do an extra five days. Um, you know, on the front end in order to become what we're quarantining and go through the testing. Um, you know, it was, it was quite the, uh, quite the adventure. And then, uh, you know, to hear that you could kind of see it when there was one game that was canceled and we were testing multiple times per day and we're just going through what we're, you know, Mm -hmm. being told we have to go through in order to make this thing happen. Um, but then once you kind of found out that a, a false or a, a positive will, will shut down your, you know, the player, the team, yeah, yeah. or, you know, you kind of all of a sudden felt in your gut, like, Ooh, this is not going to be good because we're testing thousands of people per day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's gotta be kind of a scary thought, right. Of like, um, you know, and I don't, I don't want to get into like the false negatives and all that kind of stuff, right? Because like the, I mean, everything's yeah. got that rate, and it's just kind of, so you're like, well, what do I do? Hey, you you miss a game, or or you know, you miss an important game that just ends ends your tournament, right? Like if you if you can't do the quarterfinal, you're probably not going to do yep. the final, right? Like, well, that, I mean, and that was for both, you know, the players and the effect. right, the players. That's for everybody. Too, yeah, that's for everybody, and it was more. I mean, for me, for myself. I was more stressed out about just the testing than anything else up there because you're, <laughs> you're testing and one positive, you know, there's no redo or anything. It's yeah. a, hey, you're, you're stuck in your hotel room for 10 days. No questions asked. Oh, and unfortunately wow. the other American that I went with, good buddy of mine, Jake Rakuki, he, uh, 
he uh, he tested positive like uh, two days in, in into the tournament. So oh. I never even got to shake his hand when we were when we were up there because we did that kind of hard lockdown, if you will, uh, when we yeah. first arrived. And then he unfortunately tested positive and um, amongst another uh, a Canadian linesman. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, right away, boom, here's 13 days in your hotel room. You know, yeah. so it's like to come out of that, like, and then oddly enough, Ross, we ended up skating that final game of the tournament together before it got shut down. So that was yep. cool, at least, but I don't know if he would share the same experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So then obviously uh, when that ends and gets shut down, you go about your business back to your normal schedule, right? You're pretty much full-time American League at that point. So then when, um, and, and I remember talking to you too, like saying, Hey, they're saying on the radio that the IHF is going to do their best to get this in at some point. When, uh, when did you guys get the phone call saying, Hey, we're going to do this again? Oh, you know, I don't, I, I probably learned from the old internet before we actually even got that phone call. Okay. I mean, because we got that phone call, um, you know, real late in, in June, like okay. uh, later on in June saying, Hey, this is a, this is now official. Like we're, we're looking to keep the same staff going back up, uh, for this summer makeup okay. um, tournament. That's pretty awesome that they just, they said, Hey, everybody that was here, come on back. We're going to do yeah, this. That again. Is pretty cool. I, I think that was really good on whether it be USA hockey, Canada, IHF to not, you know, rob you guys of that experience to be able to do that so that's all i'm so happy that you were able you and the rest of the guys were able to go back and you know start over for sure for sure and we didn't even know like if uh you know that was a possibility or like they said you know we're going to do everything possible to to finish this thing but there's so many logistics that go into that and you're wondering like you know i mean it's almost easy to scrap it and start back up in halifax in 2022 Mm -hmm. here yeah. So then let's talk about the second go. Like what was different, you know, how, like, obviously it was weird cause it's a summer, like you're doing it in the summer and yeah. then they're going to do it again in four months. Right. <laughs> so like, obviously, you know, we saw, you know, some of the games, maybe there weren't as many people at whatever, like, what was that like? Yeah. It's the uh, whole experience. So with going back up in August, of course, I mean, it's Canada, it's world juniors. Uh, it's, you know, un- under normal circumstances. Yeah. Every Canada game is going to be a sellout every, you know, if Sweden playing Finland, they're going to have a, a decent crowd. So unfortunately the games, um, were, were pretty sparse in the, the crowd department. Um, you know, and I'm, Many but that doesn't it doesn't take away from the hockey though it does not it does not take away and you know just guys are so good at manufacturing their own energy and once you're out there like hey whether it's a packed crowd that you feed off of or no crowd like you're still out there competing and you know as officials too like you know next thing you know it's you're like, oh there's Twenty thousand people that were here tonight like you, you kind of just tune it out anyhow but yeah right. but you love a good crowd too though right absolutely, absolutely. Once in a while. um but the whole the whole experience going back up in in august and the difference um of just being able to go out to dinner with the guys um get to know guys outside of communicating just via zoom uh in other rooms or 
we had our meeting room um, at the hotel. That was nice. That was kind of like mm-hmm. our own little bubble. Um, both both uh, experiences, both trips. So, but the fact that we were able to kind of take in and see what Edmonton has to offer, and especially guys who come from overseas, right? Like, yeah, you really feel for those guys because you know it's almost like. Not that Edmonton's my backyard, but yeah, you, you know, like being in a totally different country, and mm-hmm. you you you're almost getting like robbed of that full experience. So I know that they they loved it. We had such a tight like camaraderie uh, throughout the group, and it's pretty sweet to see the dynamic change um, as the tournament goes on, as guys kind of get to know each other, mm-hmm. um, working games with each other. Um, just learning about uh, different hockey experiences from them and and what life is like back home. So, I mean, for me, going up in August and not even having to pack a, a big parka too is a is an added. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of nice, dude. Yeah. So that's actually a good segue, right? So, like, talk about like you know the language barriers and the you know you talk about like hey, there's people from all over the world who are now coming, uh, you know, and and to play hockey and, and have to work together. Right. I mean, it can be hard enough when you, when you're just working with a couple of Americans that you've never worked before, what's that like working with, you know, a couple of Swedes or, you know, I mean, you talk about the Europeans, you talk about the Asians, you talk about all, you know, all these other folks. Um, what's that, what's that like, right? How, how does, how does, what are some of the unique kind of challenges there? Or is everyone just, they just know English better than we do. So it's really no big deal. <laughs> oh no, there's certainly a, a language barrier and procedure stuff. That's, that's different from, you know, everyone all over as far as how that translates out on the ice. Um, right from day one, I think the IIHF does a pretty good job when you receive your, like your information packet about going up to these or going to these tournaments um, getting to know each other a little bit prior to that and, and where everyone's kind of coming from. And then of course, you're naturally going to have uh, a difference in what guys work back home as far as their respected or uh, respected top leagues. Um, you know, is hockey, their full-time job, like, uh, how, how well do they speak, uh, English? And, and for me, like, the guys who are, are sent to, to these tournaments, these men and women, like, you know, they're sent from their federation and ultimately known as somebody who's going to participate in the group and be an ambassador, player, be an ambassador of the game because yeah. it's such a, such a small amount of people who actually get to experience something like that. And you want to be a representative of your country and be a, be a good one. Right. So for me, I, I pride myself and hey, I got two weeks. I want to get to know these people. I want to get to know what, yeah. what you do back home. What's hockey like back here? Sharing war story, you know, just different. Yeah. Stuff. Yep. You know, and now it's so cool because of all these places that I've gone, it, you can pick up the phone and you can call somebody in Stockholm, Sweden. And I got a buddy that no problem would pick me up from the airport and I got a place to stay if I wanted to go. Wow. Like, yep you can, you know, pick up these, um, these friendships and it's, you know, hockey's a small world. Right. So to me, that that's so special and, and something that I really appreciate with the IIHF and, and translating out on the ice and making sure that you guys are a team that just starts kind of 
getting to know each other and what's preached kind of as soon as we arrive at the tournament. Yeah. You know, of course, some people may be better at English than others, but at the end of the day, you're out there officiating a hockey game. Mm-hmm. We all know what we need to do to make yeah. that happen smoothly. So let's hockey's whatever we have to talk about. Yeah. And hockey's so, kind of a universal language in itself. So sure. And then when they say that they don't speak English, well, uh, they do because next play they'll tell you otherwise, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, they everyone pretty much knows English enough well enough to communicate no problem with uh with the officials or nice yeah so as you're so then as you're going through the tournament work in the tournament and we're obviously we're narrowing down the field of teams narrowing down the field of officials when does it start to set in you're like okay i think i got a chance at work in the gold medal game here hmm, probably never no, fair. <laughs> fair. you're still you're still stuck in the like and then like dude i'm terrible at this i don't know why i've gotten here what's going on oh my hair all was terrible i was way behind the play and just thank god i worked with people better than me yeah amen <laughs> no, it's very similar i mean you're 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 thinking so much uh because you have you only have a select few games yeah to, to come in to uh, to let your work do the talking and, and hopefully you, you have the games, but then along with that, like you need, you need other things to line up too. Like you need the, the games that, Hey, if everyone just does a great job and, and coast through games that are no issues and well, mm-hmm. it's sometimes tough to, to demonstrate how solid of an official you are, or you can yep. be. And that's no, that's not a discredit to you by any means. That's just sometimes what the game presents, right? And which is which is great. Um, but there's a lot of factors that go into that. And we with the double IHF, it's nice because we receive extensive feedback right after the game in person. Um, we had four officiating coaches uh, at this past tournament. Um, each of them take a, a role as being like the head officiating coach. Uh, support staff and then we have our video staff who do a great job and break everything down as far as I mean clips go you're you're never gonna uh, fool an HD camera and when you're um, presented with these evaluations after the game and then there's a grading scale of one to five with three being baseline um, where do you fall on these certain criteria and it's like a three-page eval so I really Yeah, I really appreciate that with the double IHF because it's a, you know, they, they shoot it to you straight and they have such strong officiating coaches that, you know, you don't really know what you're going to get because they're also from other regions as well. Yeah. Like they're watching you do something where you think, Hey, this is what I'm taught back home, or this is my comfort because I do this, but then they could feel, Hey, you need to do this, change this up or not change it up, but maybe that's not a tactic or a strategy that, that they like, or right. So it, it, yeah. It's tough, but at the end of the day, like they're coaches, they're not supervisors. They stress that they're there to, you know, to see the games go smoothly because, you know, they don't want to be talking to the coaches and the council members after the game either. About yeah, it. so absolutely. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so, I mean, are you also worried about like, you know, like, so in college hockey where, hey, if, you know, if there are certain teams that make it to the final because you're associated, like, right? So, like, if if an American team 
you know, if a U.S. plays Canada in the in the gold medal game, does that automatically disqualify the American and the Canadian officials from working that game? Uh, and great question. Um, and I believe the answer is no. Okay. <laughs> and and, yeah. it, and it used to it, it used to be it like, used to be yes, right. Yeah. And we had a Canadian linesman on that that gold medal game. Um, okay. And you know. I, I mean, think COVID, I think that, that COVID year where they had all Canadians work on yeah. just because of logistics. Uh, I mean, Hey, things go smoothly there. They had a solid mm-hmm. group of guys with the, with the tournament and um, it went off. And, and I know that um, it's in the works to kind of push that out completely and hopefully, you know, make it uh a rule or not a rule, but something that we're not even thinking of anymore as far okay. as yeah. that's, that's good to know. Cause yeah, that's, that's super good. Know, right. Cause that was, and in fact, one thing before you got on Ross and I were talking about, like my brother used to play junior hockey when I was in the program uh, and like, and people didn't know. And I used to referee his games. Uh, and then finally, <laughs> you know, one of the supervisors found out they're like, well, we can never have you do this again. And it was like, well, was it ever an issue before? Uh right. And, and of course, as we know, like anything can, you can turn anything into a conflict or a story or anything right. like that, but us as officials and at the end of your profession, like, uh, you know, unless you're ready to throw your career out the door, I don't think anybody in this business, especially at those higher level tournaments are, are interested in exactly doing yeah. it that way. So, yeah. you know, I mean, for me, I think that, uh, you, Hey, you have a, a short time period to have your best tournament and hopefully you're one of the last four guys working. And, and I think that, um, you know, that's the avenue that they want to move forward. And yep. Best guys work the best games, right? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about that gold medal game, right? That one that the last one, you know, maybe it's a lot. I think it's the last game you worked, right? Like that you haven't worked anything. You haven't been like, yeah, I worked a beer oh. league game. I'm back to going out my summer beard. <laughs> yeah, I'd say perfect, right? So, uh, right, so you find out you're going to work that game, right? Like what, like kind of walk us through, hey, you find out you're going to work the gold medal game and uh, the championship game. Um, and then what was that like, right? And then let's talk, we got to talk about that crazy little like, like whatever, the, 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 well, the puck, like, man, that was close, right? Like, geez. Spinning, spinning on its edge. Yeah, that was yeah. just the ending for that whole game was, was insane. Um, back to just the feelings of uh, finding out that, um, you know, like you're, you, I had a semifinal game. Um, I was partnered up with a, uh, referee who works in his top in the top league back in uh, Sweden. Okay. Um, so I was partnered up with him in the semifinal. Um, we had a great game together. Like we were clicking, we were on the same page and, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, is, is stressed from the beginning. Like, Hey, let's all make sure we're on the same page. And of course, you know, you can always connect with, uh, uh your partner in different ways as far as, uh, refereeing and you work better with, you know, um, certain partners over others. And I think the IIHF kind of just, deciphers that almost throughout the tournament as it goes on of finding, Hey, what's a good click, uh, you know, as far as caliber of, uh, officiating and, and are they a cohesive team? So that's why I really, that's another, you know, side 
note that I appreciate with the double IHM. Um, with that, I remember we, we were staying up, we we're playing cards, me and, um, and it happened to be the, the linesman as well. There was a five of us and we're playing cards late at night in the um, meeting room down in the, down the lobby area where, where we, where we were meeting. Um, and we didn't have the assignments. It's 11 PM the night before. So they told us to get it typically out an hour after that last semifinal game, which, you know, that probably ended at like nine. So here we are, everyone kind of checking their phones a little bit about 10, like <laughs> ain't going to sleep. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah there's no, right. yeah. yeah, there's no, there's no sleeping after that. Right. So you got guys, uh, um, you know, and it just happened to be us five, uh, playing some cards and, and, uh, waiting for a text to come through and and then we we got the text and pretty sweet uh, they they had the bronze game and the gold game sent out for the officials working and um just a super cool feeling to be like whoa like you know working it tomorrow it's not even 24 hours from now and yeah. you know but for me like it doesn't really hit you until like you're going out there it's just kind of like standard getting ready mm -hmm. for a game you're going through your game day routine i mean and that's another thing that's tough with these tournaments. Like you could be working a game at 10 30 AM. I mean, that one quarterfinal day, there was four games. Mm -hmm. So your, wow. your whole regimen looks a little different when you're kicking off at 10 30 AM, as opposed to a eight 30, I think USA had that night game against Chad. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, super uh, elated to, to receive that text uh, and with the, with the schedule there and, just couldn't wait to get out on the ice and see this building. We knew it was going to be packed. We knew that, uh, you know, Hey, if they were all, if Canadian fans were all saving it for this last one, like places should be rocking. Mm -hmm. Nice. And was it ever? And was it ever is right <laughs> to have that ending. And the, I mean, it, uh, that close well, of a game was, was yeah, we can, we'll talk about the game. Cause I, I got a little couple notes here, right? So Canada goes up to nothing mm -hmm. and that place is losing their minds. Then Finland comes back and ties it up. And then it, it sounded like it went dead silent in there. Yeah. No, it, you could feel that you could feel a little now like uh, because Canada, what, I think two, two world juniors ago or mm -hmm. last, but like they gave up that, uh, that lead. Um, and you want to know what, I think there was a pretty, pretty high stress going on at that point, two goal lead. And then, uh, diminished in no time it was kind of a, a quiet uh, few moments for sure and then like you could you could feel the energy then pick up like mm -hmm. you know so then you go to you go to the the overtime which I, I when I was watching the the highlights the next day or whatever they're like yeah we're going to continuous three on three overtime it was like wait continuous yeah. yeah like we're just gonna keep skating <laughs> three on three uh, like why aren't we playing five but if we hit second or third overtime playing three on three we got other issues i feel <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. you're gonna go kick one in and just run away <laughs> <laughs> yeah these kids at, at uh, three on three i mean they're too creative to yeah to for sure 20 minutes that's crazy so so then you you end up in the uh canadian defensive end yeah. And let's talk about that play at the net that like everyone saw, like it was nuts. Oh yeah. I mean, just 
crazy, right? Like uh, wow. you, you do that 999 times again out of a thousand. And I still feel like that puck would be in the net. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was a, it was an interesting play too, because uh, McTavish grabs the puck. Like, so the goalie, he wanted to play the puck um, a couple times earlier and I was mm-hmm. delayed on my whistle uh, recognizing that, Hey, he wants to move this. He wants to keep this three on three going. So like, boom, he played it the two other times and we were moving. This one was a similar instance where he didn't have a guy on him right away. And then I recognized that, Hey, he wanted to keep it moving once, once more. And, and McTavish picked up the puck. But meanwhile, there was a Finnish player who has a stick right there. And Hey, it almost looks like a trip, right? Because yeah. he goes, skates out and yep. the finished player is able to go behind the net, grab the puck, send it out to the slot. And you're like, oh, this is in the net. You know, for me, I'm mm-hmm. like, there's like, how does it not go in the net? I still have no idea. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for that little chip up in the air, hits the goalie, like, and then to, of course, it's him and Bedard on the goal line to make a, a game saving. Uh, I mean, play pick the puck out of the air, pick the puck yeah. out of the air and, and then to go down, you know, on the other end there. And quite frankly, with double IHF, they do the buzz down uh, with the horn if it does go in. So they'll kill yeah. the play, and they're pretty quick on it. They're, they got a top notch videos uh, system there, obviously. <laughs> and and nice. the, our video guys who work uh, the tournament are top notch. And you're almost like, OK, I'm waving emphatically, but. You know, you can't always help but feel, you know, some sort of, okay, well, you know, and you're thinking, and as you're going up the ice, you're like, am I going to hear the horn here? Am I going to hear it? Like, yeah. Um, but that was such a close play and, and to, to see that. Uh, yeah. The know, best seat in the house for it. <laughs> yeah. It, it was crazy. And the more that you slow it down, it was not a trip. So I got that call. That was the more and important call, what, right? What, like, really, yeah, wasn't, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, really, of course, because yeah. like you don't react to a trip because I didn't see the I didn't see the stick directly in the skates for like a like and he yeah. looks back at me on the goal line and like um I didn't react because I didn't I didn't see it as a you know, it wasn't one mm-hmm. read. So as he's cutting there, the stick is there, but you can see that you yep. know, um it's just for like and it's it's a cool moment too because like that's going to be one of those things that you're going to see that highlight for the rest of your life most likely whenever they show a world junior tournament oh yeah oh yeah right they they showed that i mean to that's huge (laughs) yeah go down and then uh johnson gets the the game winner and then i mean the loudest i've ever heard of building i mean it was ear piercing yeah, that's I I have that written down in my notes here. How loud was the building when Canada scored? Yeah, it was just a a piercing in your ear, ringing, ringing, and yeah, like, whoa! Like <laughs> you know, next thing you know, like as high guy look back and they're all coming out. It's a uh, yeah, it's a pretty pretty wild feeling, even from just the officiating standpoint, and to to be out on that ice and and then you know look at our crew after the game while we're standing out there, like, hey, typically you want to grab your. your you grab your uh, trophy there and you do a photo yep. with the commission and then you get off the ice. But we're like, fellas, I think we want to stay out on this, this ice. Yeah, yeah for that sure. was going to be my next question, right? Yeah. It's like, what do you do, right? Do you like try to get off the ice as quick as possible? Or are you like, no, man, I want to stay and kind of check this out. So, and, and that is, there's no like right or wrong per se. Yeah. But the tournaments, hey, once you do your photo, you're now free to exit yeah. the ice and you wheel on out. But 
with the double IHF and doing the anthem at the end of the game, it's like, well, we wanted to stand there for the anthem too at center ice. And, yeah. you know, and we're like, let's leave after that. Um, okay. But we, we were able to see the trophy presentation. How, um, that's, and it's something unique that IHF does is the officials get something for working yeah. the gold and the bronze game. Like it's so different from anything like, like, you know, you work the Kelly cup finals in in the coast, you know, you get a pat on the back and, you know, a couple extra beers from Joe at the end of the night. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like you don't get a trophy presentation. No, you're right. Yeah. No, my, uh, you do get a ring. You get a ring. Yeah. You get one. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know, if you want year two, you got to buy it. Uh, <laughs> but it presented to you at, at, camp right yeah so, yeah for from sure from what you're saying there at double ihf it, it it's uh they're all about sport and hey yeah one put your hands together for the official which it, it can be an awkward feeling right yeah you're not used to that like all eyes are on you you're holding a trophy and now you're on yeah. you're on tv and um you know accepting this and and it's not something that we're used to as officials where hey yeah. we don't want that camera on us right no. we want to get in and out and nobody right. knows who we are so it's, it's, it was definitely an interesting feeling, but, you know, to play the anthem at the end of the game of the winning country and then, uh, you know, especially in the host country. Yeah. Like we're yeah. like, we're going to be out here because yeah. you can just feel it from bottom of your feet to right on up. Right. You just feel the the building and the energy and we're like, we got to stay for this. Absolutely. So coming off that, you know, like that's, that's a top moment, obviously. So what, what, what's next going forward then? What, uh, what, do, what are your plans for this season and beyond? Well, um, hockey season's going to look a little different for me this year. I'm expecting a uh, first baby girl child. Oh, oh yeah, that's, that's yes. right. Congrats. Congrats. Yeah. yeah li- life's about to change a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So you heard it here first on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Um, nice. Yeah. So just really uh, soaking in this last month, um, I have a, a, I'll be full time again in the big 10. So, uh, spring there, um, we have a a training camp that is, uh, Friday and Saturday in September here, the second week, uh, second Saturday coming up in September. Um, and then from there, um, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to pick right back up, uh, October, that second weekend of October. Awesome. Uh, and, and yeah, be, be working in the American league, uh, again, and then college. Perfect. So looking forward to it. And I mean, to, like you said, coming off of a high like that and coming yeah. back already in hockey mode, it's like, it's weird to come back and be like, hockey hasn't even started yet. Yeah. You want to get going. You want to ride yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. a little bit. Right. Yep. But it's, uh, it was definitely a unique uh, experience and timing. Who knows? Maybe I'll go to Halifax. I don't know what they have to plan for me. <laughs> That'd be cool. Or maybe, uh, maybe the next stepping stone at, you know, the world championships or. You know. uh, certainly on the goal list for sure. I'd love yeah. to find myself awesome. in Finland in May. Absolutely. I, uh, I know every year when the assignments come out, I always look for the names, of guys that I know. So. Uh, it was awesome that, uh, that you got to go to the world juniors. I was super pumped for you. And then was super pumped for you. Then super sad for uh, you. 
and then super pumped for you that you got to go back. So, no, you know, I... especially the guys that I got to work with and, you know, you be being one of those guys and uh, the fun that we we've got to have over the years on, on the road uh, and the shenanigans and the, the, you know, and the SP and the program stuff. So. No, I really appreciate that Ross. And I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Like yep. again, hockey being such a small tight knit uh, community. It's so cool to me to be able to reconnect that like nothing ever, you know, it's difficult sometimes speaking with your fellow officials over the years, uh, especially during the season, let alone the off season, but it's like yeah. the relationships that you've established and friends along the way. It's, it's so cool to just pick right back up and uh, root Absolutely. for these guys. And it's pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. That's the, that's the best part of this is seeing the guys that you work with succeed. Oh, oh absolutely. Man. Absolutely. Now you just got to get a trip down to Florida. We'll have some fun. Oh, <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> I got to get back down there. Yeah. That you do. Well, Nat, you got anything else for Sean? No, man, I do. This is awesome, man. Like, uh, you know, thanks for coming and hanging out. Thanks for, uh, you know, sharing your story, dude. This was, uh, Definitely a highlight. Um, I think we covered a lot of good stuff, man. Absolutely. No, this is definitely, uh, definitely one of the better uh, top interviews that that we've done on uh, the podcast since I've taken over. So, well, with that, uh, Sean, you're the man. Keep up the big things and uh, excited, obviously, for the little girl that we mentioned. So good stuff. Well, Thank with that, we'll, uh, we'll throw it back to uh, the main podcast. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Sean Fernandez as much as Nat and I did. Dude, yeah, Sean's such a great dude. I mean, just right. Yeah, such a bro. So, like so easy to talk to Like that was, yeah. you know, it was, it was an hour, hour and 15 and it felt like five, man. Yeah. What a, what a yeah. Great he's, guy. yeah, he's a good dude. And, and uh, I met, you know, when we were recording, I mentioned, like when he, when he got the, when he got picked to do it, I shot him a text. Hey man, congrats. Uh, then I texted him after the, the four goal Connor Bedard game. I was like, how freaking good is this kid? <laughs> like yeah. it's, I tell you what, there's a couple of teams in the show right now that are doing their best to set themselves up to get this kid. Right. They have to like, you know, he's a generational talent, obviously. Well, we hope he turns into a generational talent, right? Cause you never know when a guy gets there. Um, but you know, he's, you know, McDavid, Eichel, uh, Crosby at like that kind yeah. of tier of a prospect. Right. So we talked about that. And then obviously like the next day it got canceled. So I was like, oh man, you know, that sucks. And then obviously he gets to go again. So it was awesome talking to him. Yeah. Um, moving forward, we get into the season. I know you got your seminar coming up. We here in Tampa, actually, uh, we're getting some details about we're doing, we're going to do, uh, one more seminar here on our end, which nice. is going to be at a pretty cool spot, but I can't really release any details there. Um, yeah, that's about it. It's, it's, it's yeah, go to, for those of you guys working Labor Day tournaments, uh, keep yeah. this in your head um obviously with usa hockey right we're we're calling our our aggressive fouls our you know stick above the knee you know no intent no attempt to play the puck checks so they're they should all be used to that from last year nothing changes there i think really the bigger point of emphasis for us is when it comes to coaches and players treat respect 
with respect, treat emotion with a little bit of emotion and a little bit of respect and treat disrespect with the rule book. Yeah. Dude, 100%, so it, man. That's, I think it's going to be, I think, I think all of us who have, who have got some experience around are, are all saying that we just want to get back into, you know, hey, there's a code here. And if you break the code, it's time yeah. for you to go. Exactly. That's, that's, and I'm saying honestly this more to the senior guys like us. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, part of the reason why all this has gotten as bad as it has is because we've let it get there. Right. Because no, we're not the ones going out and giving that bench minor. We're not the ones going out and gassing coaches. I'm not saying go looking for it. Right. right? Like, absolutely. No, don't go look for it. But like the guy, you know, our level threes and level fours that have been around a while, the senior guys in the room, let's go out and set up our season for success right off the rip. So remember respect with respect, emotion with emotion and respect and disrespect with the rule book. Yeah, man. So I think that's all I got. Yeah, I think we have, I think we should I think we we're should we're riding be. high on the interview. It was so awesome. I, I love Sean. He's a great guy. I'm excited for him with the kid on the way and and all yeah. that. So yeah, I agree. I think we should leave it there until next time. Yeah, sounds good. Well, until next time, this is uh Ross and for Nat. Um let's go skate hard, work hard. Oh man, I just messed that up. So I'm gonna try this again <laughs> and I'm not gonna edit it. For Nat. I'm Ross. Go skate hard and have fun. And we will catch you guys on the next episode of the Team Stripes podcast. Cheers. Uh, how do I? Where's? Damn it. Stop recording. <laughs>